Welcome to Leadership Reimagined. I'm Dr. Jane Levis, your host. During each episode of Leadership Reimagined, we take a look at leadership from the vantage point of what it's going to take for leaders to lead their organizations forward into a new future. And in this episode, we're creating that new future. Today, I'd like to welcome Pat Finn. Pat is the head coach of the Rubicon Results Institute which empowers people to operate at their highest potential to produce radical results. Whatever your dream is, Pat will help you live it. He has been delivering powerful training programs around the country for the last 30 years. He has used these same Rubicon principles and practices to produce major results in his own life, including raising millions to start successful businesses, hosting national TV shows for over 10 years, producing TV shows for a dozen different networks, selling over $500 million worth of product for clients on TV, and he helped build a children's hospital in Haiti. In 2006, he founded the Rubicon Results Institute and later as a program leader for a world-renowned training and development company, he has impacted over 50,000 lives. Welcome, Pat. I am so thrilled to have you here. Uh, I am excited to do this. Thank you very much. It's always great to, to think from a certain perspective. And I love your mission in the world of empowering women in the world of technology and what you're up to. So to any way I can contribute to that, it's just, it's just really an honor. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I love what you talk about, about accomplishing radical results producing radical results because we need some radical things to change in the world today don't we yeah it's uh you know we we selected that word radically radical um uh, intentionally because what we were looking for is it's not miracle results it's not you know extraordinary results but something that breaks the pattern that that literally is outside the norm something that's radical because um one of the things that we teach a lot in our uh, Rubicon results coaching program is how do you get out of, you know, the, the tranquilized obviousness of life? How do you just not let the next thought be a continuation of the previous one? How do you not operate consistent with who you were in the past versus who you're creating yourself to be? So we're all about people waking up. You know, there's de definite connection between self-awareness and self-correction. Uh, but the first step is just to actually become aware of, of what you automatically do or you automatically think versus like to step back, to be the observer and create who you really are committed to being in life. So, wow. Yeah. So I said a lot there, but uh, yeah, kind of wind me up and I'll, uh, I can jump in on that. <laughs> you'll, you'll just, yeah, we'll get, we'll, you gave us a great place to start because there is there are so many people, so many leaders that are on automatic. Get up in the morning, do the same routine, go to work, do the same thing, have the same kinds of meetings, talk about the same things, trying to solve the same problems the same way. Yep. And that gets us more of the same thing. Mediocre results, 
you know, things incrementally improve. I agree. You know, I think it's even uh, earlier than that and worse than that, that I think many people who've become leaders have become leaders because it was an automatic continuation from the past. Like I, you know, I grew up in a household uh, where my parents had alcohol problems and there was a lot of drama. And, you know, I was the oldest of four brothers, uh, five, five, five boys total. And it was an atmosphere to formulate me becoming a leader. And so it, it you know, that, that, that triggered the next step of, you know, who I was in terms of student government and all of that in, in high school through, uh, you know, becoming uh, a manager or leader when I started in broadcasting and radio through, you know, actually owning my own companies along the way. So it's, it's if, if you stop and interrupt and go, okay, this isn't, this wasn't thought really well thought through. It was a reaction to something in the past. And then you get to step aside and say, okay, regardless of what's happened in the past, I can either be my history or I could be my destiny. What is my destiny? And what are the thought processes that are considered consistent with what I'm creating versus who I just automatically turned out to be, like the machinery of how I turned out to be? Right. And I like that analogy that, you know, you start and you start on this path and we just, we keep taking the steps. We don't look at why we're doing it. We're not, there's no, why am I doing this? It's because it's the next thing to do. Yeah. And it's, and it, and there's sometimes we, we, uh, we fail ourselves and our organizations, um, because we operate, well, like, that's just the way I am. And if you could, if you could just really get that you are not any one way, you're who you decide to be, if you actually realize that you have a choice in the process. Like the best example for me was um, the kind of manager I was uh, for a while at a TV production company I had in Los Angeles. And my brother was my partner and we had about 50 employees and we were producing TV shows for cable networks and, and infomercials and things like that. And I remember there was this one meeting where we were all, the key people were all in this room and something wasn't going well. And I don't even remember what it was. It was something with cash flow and people weren't producing results. And I was a jerk. I was like, you can't operate like this. If you guys can't get on board, then you need to get out of here. But you know, we're, you know, we, we've got to produce these results. And I was saying some nasty words or whatever. And after everybody left, my brother came back in and, uh, and he said, can I talk for a second? You sure, tear. And he said, um, if you ever are a jerk like that again in front of people, I quit. I'm not going to be your partner anymore. And I remember it hit me so hard, like, wow, this, the consequence of me ever doing that again would be something I would, uh, you know, that would be really horrible for me because I love my brother. I love working together. We were a great team and all that. And never again, literally for, you know, this was a long time ago. There's never been in any of the companies or any of the organizations where I felt like I've had to raise my voice and say nasty things to get people to, to move or to, to shift something. That doesn't mean I haven't been direct with people, but I haven't, I've taken off that edge, which I thought was my, who I was. If like, if you had interviewed me, I'd say, well, sometimes you just got to be, you know, tough with people and be a jerk and you know, that wakes them up. And, you know, I would have, I would have acted like that's, 
that was like as if God had said to, you know, when I was born, oh, and Pat, he's going to grow up and be a leader and be a jerk. Uh, no, it wasn't like that. It was just whatever examples I had of leading and all of that. And it took something to wake me up like that right. with my brother. If we can cause that for ourselves, if we could like literally stop ourselves in the tracks and interrupt how we typically do things, how we typically interact with people, and then really evaluate what works best. Um, I think we'd have you know a lot more innovative, creative leaders in the world versus people who are uh, kind of robots, machines doing what they've always done. Right, and even if the leaders aren't innovative and creative, they're going to have teams. They're going to have people that are really in. They're going to allow people to be innovative and creative. You say something like what you said, and you probably at some point heard somebody say something like that in the past and thought, oh, that's how you have to be a leader. Right, exactly. And yet it actually shuts people down, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah, well, that's as as you know, Jane, with you, you know, with your your background in education and all the stuff you've done, it's it's all about the interactions and the personal relationships. That if people respect you, if people feel like that 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 you get who they are, that you're that you're there to empower them to get to that next level or next paradigm in life, people will bend over backwards, do whatever they can to have your vision be fulfilled. You know, not just supporting you, but the vision of the company. When people feel like they're disrespected, when 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 you're not really hearing what they have to say, that doesn't mean you always have to do what they have to say. But but I've taken on a habit of working with a group of people like they always get that I'll take it into consideration. Now, somebody has to call the shot and I'll call the shot, but they never feel like I didn't pay attention to what they had to say. Because, you know, sometimes, not, let me change that. In my world, most of the time, the people around me have better ideas than I have. And it's just really then I, you know, my, my job is to figure out what are the, what are the ways to move forward with the best ideas possible. Nice. So, you know, interpersonal relationships is, you know, bottom line is of what it's all about. And it's, um, you know, you've got to find ways to get people to operate at their highest level of performance, their full potential. And it's different for different people. For some people, you know, you've got to work with them with deadlines. For other people, they work really well with acknowledgement and, and, and pointing out how, how great they are. For, you know, for others, it's uh, giving them the chance to run with something and, and trusting them. And um, so, you, you, you know, the key people around you, the more you can tune in to what supports them and makes them work, the better. Absolutely. And one of the ways to do that is to have conversations and communication with them, right? <laughs> Duh, yeah. Either that, unless you're really psychically oriented and you can telepathically hear what they yeah. have to say, it actually takes takes talking. I worked for an organization that we're both familiar with um, uh, at, uh, that, that dealt with uh, personal development and delivering programs. And um, for a while, I worked in, rather than be out in the field and delivering the programs, I worked in one of their centers, one of their offices. And we would start every day with a meeting. And it was like, there were times where we were in this meeting where I was thinking to myself, can I just leave and go get something done? I don't want to talk about it anymore. I just want to, want to do it. But the organization thrived and, you know, was hugely, it is right. hugely successful around the world. So what 
what I knew from my past and what my judgments were coming from clearly wasn't uh, accurate because they knew what they were doing because it really worked. Right. So, uh, and what I learned from that is, you know, that that creating an atmosphere for communication where people get a chance to to say what's being said. And now obviously you can't necessarily do that with all your employees, but you can do it with your, you know, if you have a team of people that work closely with you, you can do it with them and then train them to do that with their people like that. But, um, you know, in communication, it makes all the difference. You're sometimes people are, uh, upset about something and, and maybe rightfully so, or in their mind, they think it's something that's upsetting. And sometimes just them getting a chance to express it, to clear what there is, uh, makes all the difference in the world. And then just just like you would in a personal relationship, you could say to them, uh, you know, I get it, uh, or I apologize or not, I totally understand your perspective on that. And then sometimes, you, you know, I've said to employees, do you want me to just get this, like how difficult that was, or do you want me to do something about it? You know, and sometimes they'll say, just get it. I just want you to be able to hear it. And it's like, okay, great, go for it. Right. Like that. And there are times that you can't do anything about it. But yep. being heard, as you said, you know, and you, you being able to, to just say it gets it out of the space and then allows you to go on and do what you've got to do. And as you, you know, for a leader in an organization, you know, most of us can can really I don't know, there's some some kind of magic number between like seven and 12 people that you can have really, you know, those relationships when teams start getting bigger than than that. And I don't know, I can't remember what exactly the number is, but it's a, they start actually kind of breaking down into their own smaller teams to work with. If every leader can then be a part of that and and support that communication all the way throughout an organization, you're going to have a much more powerful organization because people Absolutely. will feel heard. They don't have to be heard by the CEO all the time. They just have to be heard. I 100% agree with that. And it's, you know, what's interesting is, is that, um, you know, we, we, that number that you talk about, we, we have teams of people who, you know, come from different walks of life and have different goals and dreams that they're up to that, but play on one of our Rubicon teams. It's always a 10 week process. And it's, and we, we always have 12 people and we've discovered that that's been a magic number that with 12, you could still be connected and get to know each other and, and support each other. More than that, you kind of get lost in the crowd. Less than that, it, there, you don't have as many people who have your back. So, um, so the, I, I like what you said in terms of seven to 12 people seems to be something that makes a difference in terms of working as a group. The other thing I wanted to say, which is kind of interesting, is sometimes we think the words we say are important. And what I've distinguished and work with people on, it doesn't matter what you say, it matters what they hear. Mm. And, and, if you can, and if you can speak from how is that landing over there, it, A, first of all, it's, it's just a much more powerful way to speak, but it also allows for you to get that even you're not speaking is read by people. Uh, in other words, if you could just imagine as a human being, we're almost like who we're, what, what, I'll, what I'll say is your state or your state of being or like that inner sense of your thoughts and your moods and your feelings and all of that. Sometimes we think we can say one thing, but, but we don't, uh, we're not, our beingness isn't the same as what we're saying. 
and people can read that. You know, you you know yourself. You could get on an elevator with somebody who doesn't say anything, and you you go down four floors, and because they're like a negative person way of being, and all that, all of a sudden you feel you start to feel tired, and your throat starts to feel scratchy <laughs> just being in their presence. Then there's other people you think about. It's like, oh, I love being around that person. You know, they don't even have to say something, but you feel more energized and awake and lighter and all of that. It has to do with who you're being. So you know, one of the first steps in becoming a great leader is to actually be fully responsible for your state of being at all times. That, you know, if, if you are off that day, sometimes you need to acknowledge that with people, but don't pretend that they don't get it because people are brilliant at reading <laughs> the feelings, the signs, the state of being that you are. So you start there and whatever practices you have to be in that great place, whether um, you know you meditate, exercise before you come into work, to have to have a coach that you could clear with. Like I notice I'm off today. Let's get to the source of that because I you know I'm committed to being on, on today, you know, fully on with my employees or whatever, whatever that is. But being responsible for that and not ignoring it is a is a powerful first place to start. Absolutely. Because how often have you had a conversation with somebody and you can just tell they're seething about something? Yep. And one thing is they can hardly pay attention to what you're saying because they're not even present with you in that conversation. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, you, what you're describing are these tools to actually become this powerful communicator and leader. And one of them is to be able to read the space of somebody else and not ignore it, like to be able to ask what's happening with that or not. Because you you know, and we know that um, that if you're, if you're upset, you're not fully functioning in terms of how your brain operates. So if, if you can get triggered easily by people or upset easily, even though you may say the right words, it's having you not really hearing what they have to say. So then people don't feel gotten and it becomes this cycle of upset. So, you know, one of the things that we work with people on is to get that you have a choice in how you react to somebody. You can either find yourself being uh, righteous about how right you are and how wrong they are. You could be totally judgmental about them, or you could choose to appreciate them, be, you know, be able to walk in their shoes, be able to see where they're coming from, even though you don't agree with it. And when you can take away the trigger of the upset and actually just really connect and listen, like listen for what they have to say. Most of us, uh, interacting in a conversation, what we're all about is to, to look for a hole in when they're about to pause so that I could tell you what I really want to tell you versus <laughs> actually making it about hearing them. When you can do that, you know, there's people that want to be around you. They'll, they want to support you even, you know, even if, even if things aren't going, like you said, the way you always wanted to, or there's a solution, at least they come to work and it's just like they they have this authentic sense of themselves because you see who they are. It's all the people around you that are going to come up with all these great ideas. When they feel listened to and heard, that's when they're going to share their ideas. Sure. Well, and, and, and they'll even think of those ideas. Like if you could imagine if you were in an atmosphere, but no one really cared what you said and you maybe you got you have an incident where you got shot down in a meeting where you went to say something and someone said, no, it's a, you know, it's a stupid idea or whatever. You, you don't even let yourself go there to be creative anymore. 
And so when you create this atmosphere of ideas are appreciated, everybody gets to communicate, um, you know, the boss will call the shots ultimately on which one we take, but, but everybody's input's important. When you create that kind of atmosphere, all of a sudden people are driving to work and they're, they're, you know, they're in the shower that morning and it's like coming up with some other new great idea. And it just, it just has people, um, fully self-expressed, which is what people really want to be anyway, rather than suppressed and withholding. Yeah. Um, and, um, and that atmosphere is an atmosphere of people being productive. Um, Absolutely. The opposite. Right. I, I had an experience as a young software developer where I went for my annual review uh -huh. and was told in the review that there had been some problems in, a, in some code that I had written. And the manager had fixed it. I was, I would talk about, and I've always remembered that talk about demoralizing. Yeah. It's like, okay, so what did I learn from it? Nothing, nothing. <laughs> yeah. And, and she couldn't even at that point, tell me what, what it was that was, you know, it was like, so I got, so now I felt like, Ooh, I don't know if anything I'm doing is right. Obviously I didn't last there much longer. I could totally understand that. Yeah. Because I could no longer trust my manager. Well, that's a big word is trust is, you know, it, being authentic with people uh, and and being trustworthy that you're not um, saying one thing and doing something else um, that makes all the difference in the world. So, um, you, you know, what we're describing are the ways to have the environment of the people working around you be consistent with what works as human beings. And that is to, you know, to be able to be trusted, to be able to be fully self-expressed, to be appreciated for ideas that we have, to be able to say what there is to say, um, and then held to account in producing results. That doesn't mean it's like this lackadaisical atmosphere of, uh, oh, I really appreciate everybody and, you know, the, the hugs and love and all that. No, there's still like, okay, and we've got a job to get done. And then you start to look at what does it take to have people be clear on what their promises are and their accountability and then hold them to account. Because for the most part as human beings, we'll, we'll, we'll find justifications to not produce the end result we're committed to producing unless we're really clear what that is. You know, the whole Peter Drucker thing of what you can measure, you can manage. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, that, it's, it's making sure that they can measure uh, and be clear on what's expected of them in terms of what their accountability is. Um, and I'll give you another quote that I really like from uh, the late Bob Proctor, who said, accountability is the glue that that connects results and commitment that, you, you know, that if you if you really want, you know, people may be committed, but if they're not held to account, you know, as human beings, we fall into some past habits versus if we're held to account, like this is what's expected of us. This is what I've promised to get done. Somebody's paying attention to that. There's there's a whole other level of accomplishment because you know, we've discovered in our groups that the best motivator for anybody in life is an accomplishment. That when you accomplish one thing, it leads to taking action and getting the next thing and the confidence around that. So it's, it is the, you know, it is, it is what we're always looking for is creating steps of accomplishment along the way so that you can constantly be looking at, yes, I'm doing this, I'm making it happen, I'm getting closer to that goal. That's really great because yeah, we all want, it's like checking off the box, done, done, done. So when you can do that and see that you're moving towards something and 
people like to know that they've accomplished something and done a, a good job. Most people want to do good work. Yep. They're not interested in, and, but if nobody cares, then the desire slips also. Yeah. Somebody has to be paying attention to it. So that's, that's part of it is, is that, you know, the acknowledgement of people, but, but knowing that, that their accomplishment isn't going un, unnoticed, whether it's a yeah. quick email, a quick phone call, a, you know, something in the, in the, the company meeting or whatever, when people know that it, it really does make all the difference in the world to be able to, to um, stay empowered. You said something interesting, which I think most leaders, if somebody's listening to this, to this podcast, they, they're already somebody who's in a leadership capacity or on their way, way to that. But one of the things that I've seen is when people get busy in life, when there's a lot to, a lot of fires to put out, a lot of next things to do, one of the first things some people drop out is that making a list and checking it off. And what, what, what we've discovered is if anybody uses the word overwhelm, the first question I ask them is, what is, your, what is your list and schedule of what it is that you're getting done? And you know, we encourage people that any input, whether it's an email or a phone call or a text, you never remember anything. Your brain sucks as an existence system. It's, it's horrible. It doesn't remember things and it gets more tired and stressed the more things it's trying to remember and sometimes it forgets. So just creating a system, whether it's an electronic system or even you know the old fashioned uh, notepad, like ha always put things in existence and then acknowledge yourself, check it off, cross it off, whatever it is when it's done, it gives you more energy and it keeps your mind at peace. Right. Because in today's world, there's a lot that could distract us from just really being calm and at peace and powerful with what we're up to. And one of the things we do have control over is whether or not we let our mind be in overwhelm thinking about all of these different things or whether we're gonna operate out of a, of a list that we can prioritize with. Because um, that's the other thing that I've discovered is, is that, that you can do anything you just can't do everything at once. Right. And some leaders get in, in trouble for themselves and with their organizations because they're trying to do too much at once. And as a result, there's no accomplishments. So if accomplishment leads to motivation, if being organized in a list leads to you being able to prioritize what there is to do and what there is to do next, um, and then do that, it's, you know, that, that is the basic steps for being powerful and productive yourself. Um, the other one is, which is w one of the things that we teach in our 10 week course is um, multitasking makes you stupid. <laughs> and most people don't know that. They think, you know, oh, the more thing, it's like almost a badge of honor of all the different things I could be doing at once. Right. Well, you, you, I mean, literally scientifically studying of human brains, your brain capacity is diminished dramatically when you're trying to do two things at once. And by the way, I don't just mean like, oh, you're trying to write this report while you're on a conference call. Like that's, that's obvious multitasking. But even down to if you let, your computer give you a notice when an email comes in or your text vibrates or dings or whatever, your brain goes from whatever it's working on to quickly analyzing, wait, do I wanna to respond to that? Do I wanna even check what that is? No, I don't, or yeah, I do. But either way, you've lost the 100% focus that your brain is doing on this thing and switching over to the other thing, even for a moment. And that, even that moment makes a difference. So one of the things that we, 
work with people on is to take on what we call in our in our Rubicon the Rubicon 4515 and that is when you have something important to accomplish a report that you have to write a presentation um, something you have to read but something that's important that you schedule an hour and the first 45 minutes of the hour you've already gone to the bathroom you've gotten your drink of water you told uh, people not to uh, disturb you you've put your your phone on airplane mode you it, everything you can to just focus for 45 minutes and have your alarm set so you're not even distracted by wondering what time it is your alarm set on your watch or your phone uh, so when the 45 minutes is up you then take a 15 minute break let your brain relax use the restroom get a snack do whatever answer respond to any text or whatever and then at the top of the hour start fresh again that simple system which sounds you know overly simple people get blown away by how much more they produce as results by allowing themselves to do that that when the brain is operating at 100% capacity versus 50% capacity cuz you're allowing yourself to be distracted it's a you know people are really ex excited about how much more they can get done and the quality of the work of what they get done absolutely i actually do that myself i have a uh, you know cuz obviously probably so I work from home and by myself a lot as a, as a, you know, with what I do. Um, and so a buddy and I have started doing this, the same that, and we check in with each other, you right. know, okay, we're starting. This is what we're going to accomplish. And the amount I have just been, and I've known it, but this is the first time I'm doing it as a, a solid structure. And the, the amount that I have gotten accomplished because I, I'm not thinking about anything else because I know there's time to do that, those random email things, all that stuff. And nobody's, nobody is going to die because I don't answer an email in 45 minutes. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, most of us are not in a position where somebody is going to die if we don't respond right away. I totally get it. Yeah. So it's, um, you, you know, and what I love what you're saying, too, in terms of your the person that you're doing that with, you know, that's supporting you that um, like in our in our teams, we have a accountability buddy where every day you're texting a promise of something you're going to get done. And then the next day you said you did it or didn't do it and creating a new promise for that day. Just that alone has people being a cause in the matter of their life by reporting it to someone else. But then when you have a buddy for like this focus time, like, okay, here's what I'm going to accomplish in this next hour. What are you going to accomplish? Great. Ready, set, go. Talk to you in an hour. Like just that alone takes away from being like the victim of the circumstances of life to you calling the shots and being, you know, the, the, the at cause in the matter of your life. And there's something that's really powerful about that. So I think a lot of these things that you just do naturally, Jane, with your, with your, training that you've had over the years and, and who you are, you know, in terms of your, your education and all that. Yeah. So it's, um, so, uh, it's great to hear it, you know, from, from the real world, people <laughs> using those kind of, those kind of techniques. Yeah. And if you can imagine, Pat, our time is just about up. So. Wow. What... That was quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the typical good response that I get from, from my guests is, wow, that went fast. So what would you like to share? One last tidbit. Hmm. I've been kind of going with uh, some of the stuff that's top of mind. I, um, 
Let me just look at if there's something like underneath the surface of, of a lot of what we've been but what we've been talking about. That um, I, mean, I think the bottom line is you're not the victim of your past. That you have a choice of whether to be your history or your destiny, and your past includes hab habitual ways of thinking and acting that you've taken on that you just assume is who you are. And when you're willing to actually step aside. And become your own, you know, um, I've heard it in one of the books called a wise advocate, like your own coach for yourself and really look at for yourself what's the most powerful way to be. It gives you a different perspective that allows you to produce results. I had, um, uh, I was at a conference 25 years ago and, uh, and a guy whose name you may recognize, Brian Regnier, stood up. And, uh, and he was sharing with the other leaders at that, at that conference. And he said, uh, if you want to hire the best coach possible for you, hire yourself to stand over your own shoulder because you know exactly what to do. You're just not doing it. And it stuck with me all these years later because it's like it really is true. Like if I just stop for a moment and go, what would I say to somebody else if I was coaching them in this moment? Oh, I'd probably say this. Great. You know, listen to yourself. Uh, <laughs> Or the other way to say it is, uh, I, you know, I, I coach best what I need to learn the most. Uh, Absolutely. How often are you saying to yourself, wow, I really needed to hear that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> well, thank you, Pat. This has been wonderful. This has You're been right. a great conversation. Thank you, Jane. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity to do this and, and you know, and a chance to mention what we're creating with our Rubicon coaching programs because it really does um, works for people to produce. You know, in the past six months, we've had people who've started new businesses, gotten $2 million investment in their businesses, have started new clothing lines because that's always been their dream, to writing books, to losing tons of weight, to finding the love of their life, that, you know, all of that stuff um, that, that people sometimes have as dreams that lay dormant. And what I'm all about is to give people a chance to be in action, you know, having a bias toward action and having their dreams fulfilled. Mm. So thanks for the, you know, the opportunity to talk about that. Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us this week on Leadership Reimagined. I encourage you to take something that you heard today and apply it in your business. The key to progress is action and sharing. I'd love to hear what you accomplish. Email me at jlovis at lovisconsulting.com and let me know. Speaking of applying it in your business, if you're struggling or looking to expand your leadership skills, let's talk. You can go to lovisconsulting.com. That's L-O-V as in Victor, A-S, consulting.com and schedule a quick call with me. We need powerful, strong, compassionate leaders to solve the challenges we're facing today. Please subscribe on your favorite platform and share with your friends and family. Thank you for supporting us as we cause and expand 1 million women leaders in tech by 2030. Have a great week and I look forward to seeing you next week.